Set yourself a New Year goal, they said. It'll be fun. <sighs> Perhaps swimming in the Irish Sea wasn't such a good idea. Set a more achievable goal, like taking control of your finances with personalised money insights in the Bank of Ireland app. It'll help keep track of your spending, like changes to bills, or you might have too many subscriptions. See your tailored money insights, because your financial well-being is our priority. Bank of Ireland. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Terms and conditions apply. Great. There goes my towel. If you or a loved one gets hurt, you'll want a faster road to recovery. At Leia Healthcare's Urgent Care Clinics, you'll be seen by a consultant-led team in 60 minutes or less for injuries including breaks, burns and bubumps. Switch now at leiahealthcare.ie. Always a beat ahead for you and your family with urgent care in 60 minutes or less. Insurance provided by Elips Insurance Limited trading as Leia Healthcare. Leia Healthcare Limited trading as Leia Healthcare and Leia Life is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Urgent care clinics available to all aged 12 months and over. Wellbeing benefits available to Leia Healthcare members. The Left Wing, brought to you by Bank of Ireland, a proud sponsor of Irish Rugby. Never stop competing. This is the Rugby World Cup on the left wing. We are a little more than 24 hours away from the clash of the Titans. South Africa versus New Zealand in the Rugby World Cup final and what a game it promises to be. Will Slattery here with you on the latest episode of the Left Wing Podcast and I'm delighted to be joined for one last World Cup final preview by Rory O'Connor over in Paris. Rudd, how are things? Good, thanks Will. How are you? Doing very well now. It's funny, like I, I feel like the, you know I've gotten over Ireland's exit now. Uh, no, you haven't. Don't um, lie to me. <laughs> well, you wouldn't have known it by our back and forth on Tuesday, but uh, uh, now they'll never get over it. Will yeah. until yeah. they get through the quarterfinal, we'll be we'll be looking over this forever. Like. Yeah, may, maybe so. But now that we've gotten to the final final game, and it's South Africa versus New Zealand, I'm just I'm just so kind of pumped for this match. It, I feel like it's so nicely poised. It's funny, a friend of mine texted me yesterday and said, "Oh, it really doesn't feel like it's a World Cup final this week," and I I just completely disagree. I think it's been a great build up, and I think there's so it's so chock full of subplots. And just excitement and so hard to call. Like, are you getting that sense as well? I'm, I'm, you know, going to press conferences and stuff, you get a bit of it. I have to say, in France, it doesn't feel like there's anything happening this week. There's, yeah. the, the, and I, like, I don't mean to sound negative or anything, but, you know, just being on the ground here, I mean, maybe it's the area I'm staying in. I'm not in around the, the touristy parts. Um, but even the fact that the Springboks, like, I was at their press conference yesterday, they're staying in the absolute middle of nowhere. We're rubbies choice of hotels for the participating teams has been a bit crazy they're not in paris you know they're all they're all dotted out way on the outskirts and even just like you think about how they promote big fights or stuff you know they, they didn't they, they, could they have brought them all to, to the stadium and done something there or some sort of hype you know like there was no there was very few people at the press conferences earlier in the week there's very few french media now engaged so I'm really excited about this match because I think it's like I, I'm I'm someone who whenever New Zealand and, and South Africa meet in the rugby championship, I'll always watch it. It's it's appointment viewing from my perspective. It is the great rivalry of rugby, and and they they nearly always produce great games. There's been a few blowouts, and I'm looking forward to it. But the moment France went out of this tournament, the, the locals checked out, and they kind of turned up last weekend for a bit of a protest. And uh, and they'll, 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 there will be French people at the game at the weekend, but. Yeah, it's just on the ground here in France, you don't get really any major sense there's a world final happening here on Saturday night. Maybe it was a little bit like that in Twickenham four years ago. But in terms of the game itself, and the, as soon as South Africa named their team yesterday, that was a bit of a, 
I, uh, I, you kind of took a step back and went, Jesus, they're going for this. You know, they're doing it. They're going to do it their way. A lot of people say, listen, 5-3 has got a, uh, there's less, less risk there. Uh, but let's say on a 5-3, if you lose two locks, obviously you had to prep one of your loose forwards to stand in as a lock. Uh, and and must, so I think in in all teams there's I, I, I think even if you look go back to your quarterfinal who played off back when Aaron Smith went on off so Richie Mwanga so as coaches you always you always mitigate risk by prepping other people for circumstances that will happen so uh, in our case it will be Cheslin and he's always been a guy I mean he played. Uh, sweep of, uh, for in sevens, you know, which is the equivalent to scrum off uh, um, uh, uh, in the 15s code. So he's always been a guy that if we got a yellow card, he, he would be the standing uh, halfback. And uh, we've prepped in there for not just this week, but for a couple of weeks. So so you'll be the the standing halfback. Yeah. The All Blacks have kind of kept it fairly quiet this week. They, I think that their build up has been much more sedate, much more under the radar as they've been really much for this whole world cup you know whenever when have an all blacks team ever been under the radar so like there's so there, you're right there's loads to talk about and pick through um but just in terms of actually the excitement around i'm sure when we get to the start of france tomorrow night there will be a major buzz but right now in paris it's just a normal friday yeah, well, we discussed it last week. Like, I didn't when I was over for the quarterfinal weekend. Like, by far the least supported team that I saw just around the place was the All Blacks, and it was a lot of South Africans. So maybe as the week goes on, we'll say it's Friday, so you'd expect them to be there by now. But yeah, maybe it'll be mostly South Africans and and some and some French people. I know a few Irish who bought tickets in advance of the quarterfinal. Oh, like, apparently, like apparently, the majority of tickets for the final were bought in bought in Ireland. Like you, where would yeah. we have the geo locator? So I'm sure a lot of them have gone on the resale market in the last couple of days i know our friends have picked up tickets this week so you know even that i mean the press com- the press box wasn't full for the semi-finals just the whole because of how far away the two participating teams are um it's just a, it's a different buzz you know i'm sh- like I, i'm sure if we were in cape town right now the the atmosphere would be electric everyone's talking about it you know um you know just it's just an irish perspective of someone being in paris but I, apparently there's a lot more kiwis traveling over long way to come for a for a weekend for a game but i guess um, seeing your team in a World Cup final, having missed out on the last one is, is still is, is worth it. So um, on the day, and I'm sure the French people who are there and even the Irish people and whoever's bought tickets will will embrace that occasion and the match itself. And look, we have two great teams who have a nice contrast in styles, who know each other intimately and who will will produce on the day. Yeah, so maybe you can you can explain something to me. These two teams played each other the final warm up games, which was two weeks before the opening game of the World Cup. South Africa handed the All Blacks their record ever defeat, thirty five seven. From that All Blacks team, there's only one change to the starting team for this game. Shannon Frizzell is in. Contrast that with South Africa, there's five changes to the starting team. They brought in Colby, Creel, Dialende, Andre Pollard, and Ambanambi for Marks, which is kind of a straight swap because they're both really good players. And yet all, the All Blacks are going in as two-point favorites into this game. We all picked the All Blacks on Tuesday as well. Kind of explain that to me. What Why is, has there been such a shift between a destruction two weeks before the tournament to now going into this final? Did I pick the All Blacks? I think I've shifted towards South Africa as the weeks oh, go on. I, I changed every day. Um... <laughs> Well, look, I mean, go back a couple of months, right? The day after Ireland played an under-20s final in Cape Town, I, I went down to a bar and watched the morning afterwards. I watched the All Blacks destroy South Africa in um, Mount Smart in Auckland. Um, maybe not destroy. It was an interesting game. They got a really fast start like they did against Ireland. And then 
South Africa kind of dominated the middle third of the game um, across 40 minutes, actually, but couldn't get, just couldn't reel them in. And then New Zealand pulled away. And that game plan, I think, was probably the template they used to beat Ireland in the quarter final, and will probably be the template they'll use on, on Saturday. I, the mitigation for their defeat against South Africa in the that what was it the Qatar Cup or whatever it was that uh, heavily branded occasion at Twickenham. What a nice trophy. Uh, it was. Yeah, I watched that one. It's it's just this summer. Like it's 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 been it's been magical months. I watched that one in, in Biarritz the night before Ireland played uh, Samoa in, in Bayonne, and the All Blacks, and it probably wasn't played up majorly at the time like five of them hadn't played for a long time they just they were they were undercooked and um and they, they were jet lagged as well they'd only got to, to london on the, the tuesday of the game and while they tried they tried not to give it as an excuse for an underperformance i think privately they kind of took it and went right that was a that was a slap in the face but we have reasons why that happened and they, I Barrett, think they felt like Barrett got sent off in the last minute of the first half as well so it was yeah and I, the game time. was kind of gone at that stage it was the, it that was, was the yeah, night they, they were that was the night we saw this. That was the night we thought we saw the seven-one for the first time, and they brought them all on at once, and it was kind of a statement to the world. I don't think anyone expected to see it in the final, you know. Um, but as but but even when they came on, the game game was gone. But what like there's templates there for both of them. So for New Zealand, the template is Mount Smart. It's it's win the kick kick battle, get on top of the South Africans, play through them, and then get Will Jordan and the boys on the in the wide channels on the ball and 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 get your tries. For South Africa, it's win early penalties. Get New Zealand into a corner and beat the living daylights out of them. Just pound them. Like South Africa didn't score for about twenty minutes in that game in Twickenham, but by the time they did, they'd already wrecked the All Blacks physically. Now, the question is, do they have the physical capabilities after the schedule they've had to do that this time? Because New Zealand will undoubtedly be the fresher team, having um, you know, they, their their hardest pool game was at the start. They had three or four weeks to build into Ireland. They left everything out there against Ireland, but the Look at a draw. They got Argentina in the semi-final. It was a bit of a no-show from Argentina. They did play very well, although I don't think they even got near their own their own levels in, in scoring all the tries they did. And they've had an extra day to recover, where South Africa had to go to the well to be France by, by a point, to beat England by a point, have a day shorter turnaround, and they had a tougher pool. So there is... Uh, like there is a doubt over them in that regard. They are supremely fit. They are supremely confident. They've both got World Cup winners in their in their 23s. So there's no lack of experience. But I think New Zealand's freshness is definitely a factor in in this game. And whether South Africa have the physical um, resources or reserves left to do what they did to them in Twickenham when they were fresh and battle hardened, because they weren't able to do it to England last weekend. Yeah, I we touched on it on Tuesday or yeah on Tuesday. I really do think the weather made South Africa maybe look a little leggier than they potentially are. Like I don't know what the forecast is for Saturday, but like I really don't. I think if that was a dry evening, I don't think the game plays out like that. But that's that's one. Yeah, point. potentially, and and like it is it is set to. It's been mixed all week, and it keeps kind of changing every time I look at the app, or depending on which app. But the most consistent has been that there will be rain at some stage now. It, if you look at another app, it'll tell you it'll be sunny. And I think it, the rain, actually, like in this regard, might suit South Africa. I don't know. Do they want a slower game? Do they want more scrums? Do they want, want more mistakes? I think they probably do. I think New Zealand want to play fast, want to play true. So um, it will be a factor. I mean, this tournament has been lasted so long that we came over. It was 38 degrees. Um, and we're leaving in, in autumn. Like the leaves are falling yeah. from the trees. And it's it's not cold yet, but it is. It, like it has rained pretty much every day here in Paris this week, although it's nice today. So... Like that has been a factor, you know. The first games were were really humid. Ireland, Romania was like ridiculous. 
Oh, it was, yeah. Like, I mean, it was you were changing your t-shirt three, four times a day at that stage, and and like the the length of this tournament has been a factor, you know. Even trying to keep your squad together, like how they've they've maintained team spirit um, through that length of a, a tournament is is a pretty impressive thing because it's a uh, it's a long time to be away. Seven one split. What I presume you think this is a great idea. You're a very big fan no, of the coach. I I'm presume not... you think this is the most smartest, you know, outside the box. No, I I I admire them for doing it. I think it's crazy. Like, but but like, new ideas always seem crazy to us, and then they're implemented, and some of them work, and some of them don't. And it didn't work particularly against Ireland. And we saw in the Leinster Toulouse Heineken Cup semi final that a six two is a huge risk because when the Toulouse lost their centre. Dupont had to play out of position. He's well, not as good as out half. They had, they had to be fair to that. On that occasion, they could have made a proper switch. Mola just had a brain fart and just completely tore up the script. Yeah, they had, they but, had cover on that bench to actually do a rebel here. Like, we won't get but by say, But say Faf de Klerk gets injured in the first five minutes of the yeah. game and they have to play Ches and Colby at, at nine. And look, the argument is that Ches and Colby played there for the International Sevens team. He's done it in training. He's obviously a super talented rugby player who's 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 got a lot of attributes and he he... You know, they say he can play nine, but he's not. A, he's not a world class nine in the way that he's a world class winger. Yeah. So you're taking your your it's best winger one. off. You're you're moving Willie Derue into the fullback. You're moving uh, Damian Valemsa out to the wing. He's not as good in the wing as he is a fullback. You've then then taken away your cover for your out half, who's come to, come into the tournament late in the back of an injury and hasn't played eighty minutes in a long time. Like the risk, and like maybe I'm wrong to, to only see the risk. You know, Joe Schmidt used to pick his bench for Ireland based on what could go wrong. It's why Felix Jones was such a favourite for a while, because he had he, he, he covered so many different things. He left for the kicker in the backfield, all this sort of stuff. Joe used to go into great detail about all the things he had to do to cover every eventuality. He's, he must be looking at this, and, and it's blown his mind, because it's complete opposite to the way that he picks a bench. And he is a smart rugby coach. And he, he looks at it as going, what could go wrong, and what do I have to be, do, do to fix it? Whereas Razi Rasmus and Jack Dienarber are going, how can we win this game across 80 minutes? Well, we think but that by replacing essentially our entire pack uh, after 45, 50 minutes, we're in a better position to, to, to do that. So, like that, it, it's it's new. Like, you know, and, and I, I'm still not convinced it's going to work. But, God, like, I like the fact that they're trying it. I mean, I, we're, I, if World Rugby came in and said, look, you can't pick six, six, seven forwards on the bench, I wouldn't really have a problem with that. I do think there is, you know... Uh, <laughs> It's it's definitely playing to your strengths, and not everyone's able to do it. You know, I don't know if other teams, if they picked seven forwards, would it be as effective? But right now, you're open to do it. They're not doing anything wrong, and they're taking a risk by doing it. And it's made the whole, like the week of the Ireland game, it was such a big talking point. They did it early, and um, we all got stuck into it. It was really interesting. Didn't work on the night. Nearly worked. They, you know, they had them all on the line in the last play to, to win it. But they're evolving and adapting, and, and they'll have different strategies as well. I'm, I'm sure. And look, they're they're trying to get their best players onto the pitch at just different periods. I mean, there's an argument to say, what are you doing taking off at Etzbet? One of the most influential locks in the world after 45 minutes. Why don't you trust him to come good across the 80? You know, just because he's had a bad first half doesn't mean he'd be bad in the second. But look, they've got the data. They go off the kind of their collisions and. Was it their uh, their moments and how how involved they are in the game and they think that having Quagga Smith and these guys come off the benches and Orgy Snyman is is well is is well worth it and in fairness like you can see an argument for it even if I don't necessarily fully agree with it I want to see how it works yeah like two things on it like you mentioned the Ireland game for me not only did it not work it it, it arguably cost him the game because Lebok was having such a nightmare after tea Andre Potter at that stage was called up they claimed he wasn't fit but he played the following weekend um, against- yeah. The- 
they didn't think he was ready it. to play against Ireland. In fairness, they took a long view. They knew they could lose to Ireland and still and still win the tournament. And they took they only had him in for a couple of days training. And they like that that was you know not to relitigate the whole thing, but they were like, look, we can we can probably beat Ireland without him. You know, if we don't, it's not the end of the world. Um, we'll get him in against Tonga, which is you know a, a, a less important match, I guess. Get him in, you know, get him two weeks of training because he'd only played that one Premiership Cup game. So, but yeah, you're right. It like. It definitely was a factor. I think it's less of a risk with Pollard on the pitch, albeit Pollard's not as good an attacker as, as Libok. And if it is a dry night, which it's not looking like it will be, Libok is a better attacker, but you can't trust him in the way you can trust Pollard with the with the goal kicking. You're also asking, like for me, it boils down to the question, would you rather have John Klein on the bench or a scrum half? Like, who, what do I think is more impactful? Like, with all due respect to John Klein, it's a great story for him to get into the team and potentially win a World Cup. But like, do I think he'll have such a significant impact in the World Cup final off the bench in relation to the guys they already have there, like Snyman, Quagga Smith, Visa, et cetera, et cetera, that it's worth not having a nine on the bench? For me, absolutely not. I just don't even think the impact he'll make would be anywhere near the risk and the downside. And obviously, that's a, as you said, well, we're looking yeah, at like, negatives. But even even having a change of pace scrum half is a, is, a, is a massive impact as well off the bench. Like I actually really like the 5-3 bench they had for these last two matches. Now, obviously, they've gone with a different starting team, so it changes things around. But like again, I, I think if they win the game, I still think we won't. For me, it'll be maybe in spite of this, and I've gotten lucky with the injuries rather than. Well, like that's yeah. that's the way we like. I, I was watching them in the semi final, and I and they were leaving Ambanambi out there, bringing on Dion Fury. They left Franz Malherb, their massive tight head prop out. He was the last forward to come off the pitch, and I'm just going, "This is crazy!" Like this, I, I don't understand how what they're doing. They were losing the game. They're having this massive conflab in the coach's box. And they ended up winning the game with the last kick of the game on the back of their their scrum winning a penalty, a, a succession of penalties, and like winners write the history. And, and sure, they made mistakes along the way. It's it's whether you learn from them, I I, I suppose. And maybe New Zealand will expose this. And, and I think in New Zealand, there's an attitude towards this going. This is the wrong way of going about it. They love to, to put the box back in their box. You know, they, they I think they they don't like this at all. It's it's not the way they like. The, do you want? Do we want this to be the way every team in the URC Premiership is going next season? Do we, like you know, or do like do we want? Do we want seven months in the European Cup? Like, do we? Is this the game that we want to see playing? Their forwards are like linebackers; they play forty minutes and then they're replaced by a, an equally sized guy. You know, um, fatigue is supposed to be a factor in the game. So, if New Zealand win, maybe the seven one gets thrown in the bin. If it's if it's uh, if it's successful, we're going to see every. Um, coach have a go at it. You know, Leinster named six two last weekend, didn't they? So you know, trends are in the game. Like the like the World Cup winners often set the trends for the next four years, and the World Cup winning coach potentially is going to be coaching Leinster next season. But look, I do I enjoy the way they challenge the accepted norms of the game. I don't necessarily think it's going to work, but I think it's a cool thing to see what's going to be like in a World Cup final when when you and I have no skin in this game. You know, yeah, no, it's it's certainly a great talking point. And as you make the point, like South Africa have the forwards that it makes somewhat sense to maybe load up no other team in the world has a quality of four that it would be worth sacrificing you know a nine or a ten or whatever way you want to pick your one back sub because as i said like you know it can be like halfback changes are massively impactful i do agree that you don't often see the 23 player coming in and having as big an impact i would say as some of the other bench options just generally that's just a general view yeah well like ireland pick a, pick a center at 23 which which i think is a good like you know it, and it, it that works it's almost like having six two you know because they, they pick a power back like Henshaw or Aki, and, and, and they bring it home. You know, that's the way it's worked for Ireland in the last year and a half, and it's it's worked very well in that regard. In fairness, Jimmy O'Brien had a great impact in the quarterfinal um, in a different role. So, um, But look, you know, I, I agree with you. 
to a large degree. And I, th- I think France could probably do it. I think France probably have the forwards, the, the cattle to, to do it. I mean, Ireland does have a very good array of second rows and back rows. You, you could potentially see teams try it, but I don't see see them doing it. But maybe you just have to watch these things, see how they play out and maybe try them in a game and see how it works for you and get a feel for it. And if you're not comfortable, do your own thing. But the South Africans are very true to their own uh, identity. They all buy in. You, like You just have to listen to them. They're a very impressive group when they sit in a press conference. There are a lot of good talkers in there. And they... they um, that their buy-in is utter, like utterly complete. These coaches have the implicit trust of the players. It's 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 very impressive. We've had to work, find our way too, you know. And the way that the coaches went the last year or so, I mean, we've played over maybe fifty players to try and find the best. Even the guys that are not here, I think they will be prepared to come and fill in this day. So. I'm looking forward to, to, to Saturday. I don't think it will ever be, uh, get bigger than this. It will probably be the biggest game of my life. So if you're comparing the two benches then, like the 7-1, the bomb squad, like for me, the New Zealand bench does not offer anywhere near the same impact, even against Ireland. Like I don't think, did McKenzie and Leonard Brown, did either of them get on against Ireland? Leonard Brown did, yeah. It was him who was, uh, there's an image of him kind of punching the air on, on yeah. his knees. He, he, he made an impact. He actually was, I think he was big in that defensive set at the end. Um, like McKenzie, if you're if you're chasing the game, McKenzie would be great, you know. Finley Christie didn't come on. Yeah, Finley Christie didn't come on. Like Papali'i, like he started the opening game against France when Kane went down, didn't have a great impact, isn't, you know, a, like compared to the South African back rows, they can bring on Whitelock. To be fair, you know, is still a, a warrior. Well, he won the he won the turnover, but they've they've made two changes. Nepo Lalala, who isn't a great scrummaging prop, but is a bigger man, yeah. is in for Fletcher Newell, and and Takiyoho is in for Dane Coles. And look, he was brilliant last year. He seems to have fallen off a bit in form, but he's a big, big man at hooker, and and he will. I guess that's probably even just to try and grind down Bongiama and Ambi a bit more as well in those if he's going eighty again, you know. So which he probably won't this time because they have the the the, the, the number of forwards that they have. But um, I, I agree with you. I I don't think you you look at I don't. There's something about seven one that just kind of it gives it a bit of extra credence or something like that. A bit bit of extra oomph when they're coming into the game. Whether they're you know as you say like the names in the paper like John Klein. I've made the point this week, like 12, Ireland picked 12 forwards ahead of him in the World Cup cycle. He was never included in one of Andy Farrell's squads. And yet here he is playing for the Springboks in the World Cup final. Like, like amazing story. But like, if are any of the teams in the URC particularly afraid of John Klein? No, he's, he's a very good player. He's a very good scrummaging second row. And he has a role with the South African team. He mauls and he scrummages and he's he's really good at those things. And he, he has layered on some skills, but he's not... It's not, you know, Orgy Snyman's a far more imposing figure coming off the bench. Um, I guess when they do it together, they have a good combination. Quagga Smith, I think, has been one of the probably unsung yeah, heroes of this world. He's a phenomenal he's player. Brilliant. Absolutely yeah. phenomenal. The energy he brings is amazing. But Visa, like a good ball carrier, but I'm not overly, you know, he's he, he's only okay in my book. Like, he's, he, like he's going to be a World Cup winner and if they win it. And he's, he's great. You know, he's, he's very, very good. But I think in terms of international quality, I wouldn't have him much above Dalton Papalihi. But then you look at those front rows coming out, like Ox and Jay is, is incredible. There's no one in the All Blacks team who could turn a game in the way that Ox and Jay can. So if it's tight after 45, 50 minutes... It's predicated on there being a lot of scrums, and the weather 100% contributed to the amount of scrums last Saturday. Yeah. Like if, if there's not the same level of scrums, like Ox Nietzsche doesn't really offer a whole pile other than his scrummaging, which obviously is unbelievable. But like, Yeah, I think he's good in the mall as well. People underestimate yeah. how the, the power the of these players right. in the mall. In but, the but, but yeah, in the tight, yeah, and, and like the tight's important, you know. It's, yeah, it's, no, yeah. it's he he is a powerful man, but like 
you're right. And New Zealand, while they did drop the ball against Ireland, they never knocked it forward, um, which was a pretty impressive way, way, of, way of going about things. So there was no scrums for Ireland in the game. If, if, if New Zealand can take the scrum out of the equation, um, they better not kick into the, the South African 22 as well because they'll, they'll call a mark and call a scrum. But they... Uh, like if they can take the scrum out of the equation, I think if they can give some, some give South Africa something to chase, I can. I've I struggle to see how South Africa come back against New Zealand in the way they did against England because New Zealand will score in sevens and England score in threes, and I think that's a big difference, you know. So, um, New Zealand's path to victory is get up early like they did against Ireland, and then keep the scoreboard ticking over and you know keep scoring in sevens because South Africa, while they have got very good attacking players with Pollard on the pitch, I don't think they unlocked defenses as well um new zealand you know can go after their breakdown um but then south africa have a very good defensive system that can stop stop the ball getting to the likes of will jordan out wide and talaya so it's it's a, it's a really interesting clash of styles and it's it's very hard one to call really because they're so evenly matched in so many ways and i think the, the fresh i mean before the tournament i did say that this will be the survival of the fittest and it's impressive how few injuries both teams have at this stage you know there's actually not that many players missing mark malcolm marks apart but there's um they're both in pretty good nick in terms of actually getting the bodies on the pitch but i'm sure at the end of this tournament they're all a bit uh, battle weary you know obviously massive game for the players a huge day for wayne barnes as well his first world cup final you know he's so experienced like it's, it's funny to think he ref the ireland grand slam game in 2009 and he's still kind of like trucking along you know i know he was very he was very young then but still like it's impressive but like it's a massive night for him just in terms of how the game will go i struggle to think of a world cup that's been so dominated by the officiating the Ireland Allbox game there was a lot of controversial calls especially on the scrum france south africa obviously had loads you know england south africa similar was ben o'keefe again and then even angus gardner even though new zealand walked through argentina like just following it on social media that night journalists saw a lot of journalists giving out about angus gardner being very very harsh on argentina so it'll be both teams will be kind of vying to get in Barnes's ear and influence him, pre-match influence him during the match. Like it, it could really decide, um, you know, the winner ultimately. Yeah, and like like Ruby's not alone in this. We look at the VAR controversies that follow that each Premier League round of Premier League games, and um, you know, GA refs getting roughed up after games. It's not like it, it's not, you know, referees are controversial figures in a lot of sports, but it does. One of the weaknesses of rugby union, in my opinion, is the influence of the referee and and the personality of the referee is far too important. Like we shouldn't be talking about the identity of the referee on the eve of the World Cup final, but it's very important that we do because he is a pivotal figure. I mean, you talk about 09, like he was the ref in 07 when when France beat New Zealand, and I there there, there for a long time there, there was a urinal in a bar in Queenstown in New Zealand with Wayne Barnes's face on it because they they were so unimpressed with his performance that day. Um, to be fair, he might... missed the most blatant forward pass of all time in the build of the France winning try. I actually watched it again recently. I was like, that's like a quarterback throw to, like, to Misha, like. It's it, like it's just his longevity was the point I was making rather than reading the old decisions. <laughs> but like, that's, that's, you know, this is, these are like, he is, he has his own way of doing things. He almost refs to his own rules. Um, he... I think he's very uh, media aware. He's he's out there. He he tweets. I would say that everyone in the officiating team is aware of the massive debate over the scrums this week and and um, whether you agree with Matt Williams or not. That that tweet went around the world, or the the clip of him complaining about the scrum and, and the influence of the scrum on the game went around the world. And I'm sure it was discussed after the game because I'm sure England sent in their images and said why was this penalty given and South Africa probably look for a bit of clarity on some stuff as well and that was a big discussion point in referees meetings and what does that do then on Saturday 
at the first scrum or the second scrum. And we saw Wayne Barnes went with the less dominant team in Ireland New Zealand game. He went with the team that was more technically correct rather than a team that was more dominant. And if you had met Matthew Reynal, for example, in, in that game, I think Ireland got three or four penalties they didn't get that New Zealand got. And that's the that's the game, you know, that's the World Cup quarter final. And then we could talk about the two teams' performances along the way and definitely I'm not saying blaming the referee on them but the, those interpretations went the way of one the, the, the victors and that was a big factor and, and South Africa by that phrase painting the picture which I don't particularly like but they they told they 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 presented themselves as the dominant force against England last weekend and when it came down to the hairiest of hairy calls at the end which could have gone either way um, I think it was the right decision but I could see understand how a referee would have would have gone the other way as well or reset it the the dominance won out. The the ref went with the dominant team, and that is a massive factor. You're right. His, Barnes's interpretation of the breakdown in the scrum will go a long way to deciding this game. Yeah, that first scrum will be absolutely fascinating, as you say, just to see you know how how does the team scrum it, and also what decisions made because it will be maybe point to what conversations were had during the week. Like that's why like the amount of scrums in the game will be so vital. Like if 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 there isn't a scrum until the twenty fifth minute, I think New Zealand will be delighted. You know, whereas contrastingly, South Africa will be trying to get them early and often as much as possible. Um, okay, prediction time then. I, I, even though we did predictions on Tuesday, I think I think we have to revisit this because I think both of us might be leaning slightly differently I, as the game is getting closer and as the teams have been named. I think the All Blacks starting team is in really good form and looks very strong. But there's something about South Africa now that we're getting closer to that. And I was looking back on that, you know, World Cup warm-up game. And the 7-1 split is the only thing giving me pause. That if there's an injury, it could really trip them up. But I don't know. I'm leaning towards South Africa now. What do you think? Well, I would throw the 7-1 in the bin. Sorry, I would throw the game before the World Cup in, in the Twickenham game in, in the bin. Because I, I do think that, that so much has happened since. And the factors in that week of the game contributed to it being such a big score. And... The Mount Smart game, I think, when they were both... Ah, South Africa didn't really play that night either. But, like, I, I thought sort of New Zealand... England used the, the, the New Zealand game plan for that night as a template. I think South Africa have a vulnerability in the air if you kick for contestables. And New Zealand are very good in that area. And they have the best coach in the world in that area as well in, in terms of Joe Smith. And, and their path to victory is through that. And I think what where they are better than England and are better a chance of beating South Africa is that if they win those contestables and get behind South Africa, they're much better at scoring tries. England didn't even want to score tries last weekend. They wanted penalties and they wanted they wanted to score three, six, nine. It was almost a stubborn refusal to break from the identity that got them there, that kind of Bortic rugby that no one really uh, enjoys watching unless you were wearing a white shirt. Whereas New Zealand will win those contestables if they, you know, sorry, they'll try and win those contestables. And if they do, they'll play and they'll score. And they're very hard to break, to beat. Their, their 22 efficiency is very strong in this tournament. The path of victory for South Africa is territory, uh, a slightly slower game, um, lots of set piece, line up all scrums, take the take the All Blacks legs and then get like lighted it to England in the final four years ago and then get the ball to Col- Colby, Curly Arenza and, and Valencia and make things happen. And then once you have them once you have a close game, 45, 50 minutes, you, you unleash Shell off the bench. You know, you bring in those guys and I do think they have a better tight five on the bench than than what New Zealand have. I know Whitelock is a vastly experienced and wily operator who won that breakdown turnover against Ireland, but he, I don't know if he's the force of old um especially in the scrum, if there are scrums, to try and put the power through him and Scott Barrett through a front row that's technically not as good as the South African front row. When you've got Klein and Snyman on fresh, 
you know, an eight-man scrum with seven fresh players, that is a fairly ferocious combination. And um, yeah, I if you were giving me a fiver to put on it now, I'd say probably South Africa. Um, I think they are the better team. I think they they've had a better World Cup. I um, even in the Ireland game, like France beat New Zealand well, whereas South Africa were very close to beating Ireland. If they had beaten Ireland, what a what a tournament they would have had. Like, you know, they're going to look, world champions get the right to history, as we said before, but if they'd beaten Scotland, Ireland, France, England, and New Zealand to win a World Cup, it would be an incredible feat. And if they win a World Cup, having played all of those teams even, it's it's the probably the most complete World Cup we've, we've ever seen because it's never been that hard. But if, if, Ireland, if, if South Africa win the World Cup and Ireland have beaten them at the World Cup and we didn't get past the quarterfinals, like, God, oh, dude, Come on, like that's well, it's, you could write that either way because you know the, the team that they lost by four points to with an underperformance. If they win it as well, you'd be pretty pretty sour. I think the Ireland players and management, if they choose to watch this game, will be pretty sour. But I think everyone should watch the game. I think especially those who were involved to try and learn from these teams because they're obviously doing something right because they're consistently able to get back to this level. And whether it's the All Blacks leaning into their identity and just coaching better and playing better, or the South Africans innovating, you know. There's got to be something to take from these teams. They both have very strong mentalities. The South Africans' mentality is bulletproof. They didn't play well last weekend, but the way they fought and fought and fought until they got there was so impressive. And that's another factor in why I think they're going to be very hard to beat uh, tomorrow. So, yeah, it's it's. Um, I'm leaning very slightly towards South Africa, but you're talking mar- like you know the smallest of margins. I think the top four teams to go back to it. There's nothing between them. And if you put them all out there this weekend in the same set of fixtures, or if you jumble them up, I don't think you'd be able to call a winner on any of them. Um, I don't think there's much between them, but these two teams have managed to get here. They're the last men standing. They're the, the two, you know, they're both going for a fourth title. They're the two um, powerhouses of world rugby. For how long, much longer? Who knows? I do think that the game is, is around them is getting stronger. I'm not sure, like, when the All Blacks greats retire after this tournament, will they still be as strong? But for right now in 2023, They've earned it, and uh, I hope they give us a great final. And I, I just think South Africa have the, a, a slight edge. But having predicted New Zealand on Tuesday, you can hear how uh, how uncertain we all are. So certainly, I wouldn't be advising anyone to rush to the bookies on, on, on our behalf. Yeah, it looks like a real toss of a coin. So when it's said to be an absolutely great game, I'd like to thank Rory for joining me on today's preview podcast. We'll be back after the game with plenty of reaction. In the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or listen on Independent.ie. So enjoy the World Cup final, and goodbye. Listen and follow The Left Wing wherever you get your podcasts.